Welcome to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Schachman. And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratt. And on today's show, we're going to talk about former Sheriff Jody Green. Yep. Once again, former Sheriff Jody yes. Green. And uh, one of our old favorites, red light cameras. All right, well, let's jump right into it. All right, let's start with Jody Green. All right, yes. Yeah. So for those of you who have not been following along at home, Jody Green is the uh, former sheriff of Columbus County. He was elected in 2018. There was a whole lot of hoopla surrounding that election. Uh, basically came down to whether or not he lived in a vacant field in Columbus County or if he lived in South Carolina. Yes, because he had a proper house, you know, with running water and power yes. in Horry County, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in South Carolina. He did. Now, when he filed for office to run in the 2018 election, the residence he listed was an empty field. I believe there was a trailer. There uh, was. It yeah. wasn't powered. There was like a, a small enclosed area for dogs. Yeah, there was no power meter, no water hooked up, stuff to that degree. So um, really, you know, how you can tell if people are living somewhere. You check the power, you check the water, see if it's turned on, that sort of thing. Um, And none of that was there. And eventually, uh, this got challenged multiple times. And the, I believe it was the boards of elections, both locally and at the state level, said, no, he is not a resident here. He doesn't live here. He can't be sheriff. And then it went to court where it was overturned and said, oh, he he definitely lives in this place without power and water. Um, And This is kind of how we, and we've talked about this before, of how you really don't need to live where you say you are as long as you just say, that's my intention. The state is cool with it. Yeah, I think we talked about this with Mark Meadows Mm -hmm. Um, and a friend of the show, Charles Bethea, a New Yorker um, columnist and writer, uh, actually went up to the the little trailer up in uh, northern North Carolina where Mark Meadows claims he lived. Um, Mm -hmm. He spoke to a number of residents who said they didn't even know Meadows lived there, had never seen him. Uh, Josh Stein's office hasn't really made any efforts to really uh, prosecute that. Yeah, actually, in fact, I think he just came out with a press release a week ago or this past week saying that he's not pursuing any sort of charges um, against him. Yeah, so (laughs) I don't know what you have to do. To, uh, to trigger the actual laws on the books, but maybe another story for another time. Yeah, I think so. So let's jump fast forward to uh, 2022 and about October of 22. We've talked about this, again, uh, pretty, pretty in-depth, so won't go too much into it, but a recording was released. Uh, WECT, actually, uh, Ann McAdams, formerly of WECT, had a story uh, that released a Recorded phone conversation with Jody Green making racist statements um, and allegations against his own deputies. Uh, And this was all going on during that 2018-2019 election challenges. Um, A lot of racist stuff, a lot of things that... uh, The racism is absolutely the main part of it and uh, completely inexcusable. There were other things about this, though, that, uh, that had me concerned as well. Uh, one of which was Jody Green saying, you know, I don't know what else to do besides go get phone records. And uh, he says, I'm not putting trackers on people's cars, but I already talked to Verizon. I'm pulling their phone records, see who they were talking to. Um, you know, yes, you might be the sheriff, but you're, you know, there are still wiretapping laws. There are still needs for warrants if you're going to go search people's phones, especially if they're personal. Now, if they are 
employee cell phones. Uh, I would assume that there is some uh, broader oversight that the sheriff or anybody in uh, a managerial role, even with, you know, let's say the city of Wilmington, if you have a city-issued phone, they can probably pull your records without being problematic. Um, I would imagine that would still cause concerns for some people, though. So that was one of the, you know, concerning issues. There were other allegations. John David, district attorney over there, uh, has about a 70-page document now. We've talked about that as well, where it lists other uh, forms of maladministration while in office, misconduct while in office, uh, allegations of trying to intimidate people, pulling people over for, you know, completely you know, wrong reasons, uh, arresting people without cause, all sorts of different things to that degree. So that was kind of, that came out of it. And John David said the racist recordings were what started it, started this, but it was the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I think, and and one of the takeaways that we don't want to lose in all of this is that um, the timeline is important. So during uh, the end of 2018, the beginning of 2019, there was a number of things going on. Jody Green was temporarily suspended while boards of educa- or boards of election were figuring out mm-hmm. what to do with um, the residency issue, and there was also a court mediated settlement about who would be the interim sheriff while Green stepped aside. That seems to have kicked off a lot of the animus, um, which had a definite, which, you know, developed into some racist uh, animus. Mm -hmm. And during that time, former Deputy Jason Souls made these recordings. And so a lot of people rightfully asked, what happened between early 2019 and 2022 when Ann McAdams' story came out? Mm -hmm. And so we asked John David about this this week, um, because John David told WCT that he had just found out Mm -hmm. in October of 2022. Right, two days before the story aired. So what appears to have happened is that Soles told county commissioners in Columbus County about this. He told SBI agents about this. But apparently he didn't actually show the tape to the SBI until much later. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, You know, we've reached out to Soles and haven't heard back, but we'd we'd love some clarification on that. But from John David's mouth, Mm -hmm. he, you know, he first heard about this, you know, maybe an hour before he took action. So there was also, you know, some, again, very understandable questions about why Jason Souls came out with this because he was running against Jody Green. And I talked to a lot of Jody Green supporters who were there at the hearing this week who claimed that this was all doctored up by Jason Souls, who either they either felt like this was a real tape that he had deliberately sat on until it was Mm -hmm. politically expedient to release it or that it was, you know, uh, some kind of deep Doctor, audio yeah. deep fake. Um, John David disputes both of those and said, no, 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 Souls made efforts, but it took a while for it to come to light to find the right person to take action, which ended up being, from John David's point of view, the district attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, for people who thought that this was, you know, an October surprise, who felt it was politically motivated, I understand where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. But there was a long backstory that wasn't public about you know, Jason Soul's trying to get this uh, information public. Right, right. So let's uh, let's Tarantino this thing and start kind of uh, in media res right here. Jody Green has now officially resigned. We kind of alluded to that when we first started, but uh, he resigned for the second time. He resigned back in October, and this is because John David filed a petition for a judge to remove him from office and basically disqualify him from ever holding office again. In October, before the election, he resigned. Uh, you know, maybe a week or two before the election, stayed on the ballot, won the ballot, obviously. Um, 
None of this went to the public trial, uh, public hearing rather. Um, it wouldn't have been a trial at this point. But again, we, uh, this was what, Wednesday? This was Wednesday, yeah. Um, so a, a couple of things happened. One, um, well, yeah, Jody Green, Jody Green resigned. And he, the first time he resigned, he, you know, it looks like he came out on top. You know, in October, mm-hmm. he resigned. Someone else, uh, a former highway patrol guy, uh, served as interim sheriff. But that didn't impact his eligibility to run for mm-hmm. sheriff. And he was elected. John David's initial petition to remove him was rendered moot. And so the first time he resigned, it looked like, you know, he kind of came up right, holding all the cards. This time he resigned, you know, it doesn't really look like it was a win for him. But, you know, the one issue that we that was actually discussed during the hearing that we and that we talked about that day was that John David's petition had two parts. Mm -hmm. One was to immediately remove Jody Green as sheriff. And the other was to disqualify him from office, which, as I understand, it would be disqualify him from law enforcement office. Yeah, that's at least as an elected position like the sheriff. So this would have permanently banned him from being able to hold that office had it been, um, you know, decided by a judge that, yes, this meets the thresholds. Um, So there were questions that we heard at the at the press conference about whether or not county commissioners could just reappoint Green now because he resigned and this didn't move forward. Uh, That obviously didn't happen. We have uh, Sheriff Bill Rogers, who the county commissioners had appointed back in October when Jody Green resigned the first time. Uh, they have reappointed him now. He will serve the remainder of the term, which is a full term, pretty much uh, yeah. as sheriff in Columbus County. Um, One thing I'll say about that is that um, at the at a press conference following Green's resignation and the sort of that kind of ended the uh, the petition process mm-hmm. was John David called on Columbus County commissioners to undertake what he called uh, embrace a sincere process. I think mm-hmm. was his words. But, you know, to take time to interview people, to, you know, really not rush into uh, appointing a new sheriff and, and try to find someone who would be right for the job. And so them appointing someone the next day, I, I don't know if uh, that's exactly what David had in mind. Yeah, that did not happen. And, you know, to be fair, um, Bill Rogers, um, it seemed that the county commissioners did get some positive feedback when they first appointed him. Um, I don't know the man at all, never talked to him. Um, so I have no way of saying, you know, whether or not he's going to be a good sheriff, bad sheriff. That's not up for me to decide anyways. All right. So Bill Rogers is now the sheriff, which I think allays some of the concerns we heard from predominantly black residents who were at the hearing that mm-hmm. this would just be, you know, kind of a switcheroo and that Green would be right back in office. Mm-hmm. The other part about this hearing I thought was interesting was, you know, I, I just want to bring this up. There was a number of allegations against Jody Green. And one of them was that he tried to intimidate county commissioners into giving him extra funding. Yes. And there is a photograph in the petition where Columbus County deputies are lined up um, along the entrance to the county commissioner's building. And uh, the petition written by John David and his staff alleges that this was at the direction of Jody Green as sheriff uh, with the clear intent to intimidate county commissioners. And I just have to say, I have seen this once before. This is in 2008 when Sid Causey was the sheriff here in New Hanover County. 
uh, he wanted a new helicopter. And there was already helicopters as part of the Sable program, I believe, mm-hmm. at the disposal of local law enforcement. But this helicopter was more powerful, I believe. And if you, there is actually a video on YouTube that someone made. I do not know who made this video, but it is actual accurate video mm-hmm. um, of the meeting. And it is the entire gallery of the of the New Hanover County Board of Commissioners is filled with uniformed New Hanover County Sheriff's deputies. And one of the county commissioners actually says, I feel a little intimidated. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, there were some questions at the time about whether they needed this helicopter mm-hmm. um, or whether the helicopter had actually already been purchased and this was a rubber stamping. But I got to say, uh, well, I'll include a link to the YouTube video for what it's worth. Um, but I'm just going to say that is immediately what I thought of when I saw those uh, Columbus County deputies lined up trying to pressure Columbus County to give them more money. Yeah. And this was actually the meeting directly after the budget was approved. So it was, you know, it it was interpreted as that intimidation um, showing dissatisfaction. And I mean, that would be uh, intimidating for anybody, I think, to walk in and just see all the, you know, all these deputies with guns on their hips that are not on duty at the time. They're in uniform. And I guess technically they're always on duty um, because they are sworn deputies under the law. They can always be on duty. But still, this seemed to be an orchestrated event by Jody Green. And that is what John David, uh, as well as other county commissioners, former county commissioner and current county commissioner, um, put in their affidavits for this. So, that's just, again, the tip of the iceberg. We have links to the entire 70-page document where you can read it all. Uh, there's allegations of a uh, an affair, a sexual relationship that Jody Green was having with a deputy under his command. Um, there are other uh, questions about, you know, wrongful arrest of a county commissioner, uh, Buddy Bird, who eventually the charges were dropped, but the he was arrested basically for um, what they said was stealing a barn, or I'm not sure how you steal a barn, but that's what happened. I guess it was one of those portable shed type things, uh, was found, I believe, on his property, something to that degree, but eventually it was decided there was not enough evidence there to charge him with anything criminal. <coughs> and just a whole lot of allegations within this 70-page document. So uh, if you're interested, it is worth taking a look through. It's not written so much as a, uh, you know, a legal filing, but there's a lot of affidavits. That's where you can really see the narratives as to how people felt under Jody Green's reign. Yeah. Uh, I'll just, you know, a quick note for what it's worth. Uh, there is some strong language and some mm-hmm. racist language in there. So, you know, be advised. Um, but yeah, it's, it's probably the best way to hear directly from the people involved. The last thing I want to say about this is that a lot of people have asked, as we were talking about this, um, because this was kind of a civil petition to mm-hmm. remove Green, um, a number of folks I talked to here in New Hanover and in Columbus County said, well, that, some of that stuff sounds criminal. Yes, yes it does, <laughs> uh, especially at the, um, the at the federal level, the uh, racial profiling of, of employees in the sheriff's office. I believe that's at least in part why the feds are now involved, because that would be a violation of, of federal law. Um, it's worth pointing out, that in in North Carolina, sheriffs have in a ridiculous amount of power to hire and fire. Um, yes. They are set aside by state statute from um, other county employees and other, mm-hmm. and other county operations, uh, as are registers of deeds. Yes. And in 2016, the state Supreme Court actually reaffirmed this, I believe it was a series of three opinions mm-hmm. they unanimously handed down, um, that basically say the a sheriff or register of deeds uh, can require political loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, this means point blank, 
a sheriff can say, if you do not don- donate money financially to mm-hmm. my reelection campaign, I will fire you. Yep. Which sounds crazy, but sheriffs can do that. And the, the ruling of the courts was effectively that the sheriff's job is so important and it is therefore so important that the deputies be in complete agreement with his yep. policies that any any diversions from that, including supporting other candidates during election season or just not agreeing with the sheriff's policies, means the sheriff can can fire you. Now, what you can't do is fire someone just because they're in a protected class. Right. So if you are a, a black person or a woman or a practicing Muslim or a Jew, um, no, the sheriff cannot fire you just because of that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't agree with the sheriff's policy and you happen to be in a protected class, yes, the sheriff can fire you. So that's what the FBI will be looking at. Yeah, exactly. And so this is codified, as you mentioned, in general statute. We have the Supreme Court rulings, but uh, the sheriff's office is a constitutionally, uh, North Carolina's constitution actually draws out what the roles of a sheriff are. And that's why it's so difficult to change anything because you would need a constitutional amendment. Um, So this is a constitutionally appointed position that gives, uh, it was actually, I was doing some research on it. Uh, The sheriff was actually, in the state constitution, was written in before there were even counties. Um, So they supersede all of these things. But again, federal law is always going to trump state law. So even if you have these state laws that give a ridiculous amount of power, as you mentioned, if there are violations of the Civil Rights Act or 14th Amendment equal protection claims, uh, it's fair game. And it goes to federal court in that instance, not state court. And we have heard that there have been subpoenas already served for a grand jury summons. Um, These are very, very private and across the country, but in North Carolina specifically, um, grand juries are completely secretive. You don't allow even defense attorneys into them. Um, It is basically where you gather evidence and prosecutors decide whether or not there's enough evidence to move forward to bring charges. That's kind of the point we're at, we believe. Again, because these are so secretive, um, we don't know exactly what sort of charges could be pending or what they're investigating, whether or not there will be charges. Um, but that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. And so for the time being, that is the end of the saga of, of Jody Green. I will say there's probably a lot more reporting that needs to be done in Columbus County. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, with the exception really of, of Ann McAdams and, and more recently Hugh Pratt's, mm-hmm. uh, there's been very few reporters who have spent time in Columbus County and every single person I talk to. Uh, including supporters of Jody Green, mm-hmm. told me that there were problems with corruption and mismanagement um, that have gone unreported and uh, undocumented. And uh, all I can say is that we uh, probably have a lot more work to do out there. I was encouraged to see there was a lot of reporters there on yeah. Wednesday, yeah. Um, including folks from uh, the Border Belt Independent, from mm-hmm. WCT, from WWAY. From Raleigh. S- from Raleigh. Yeah. Um, so John David at one point said, you know, that he had to believe that something good would come out of this. I don't know if this is what he meant, but if it means increased news coverage of Columbus County and allegations of corruptions there, I say here, here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place to uh, to leave it for now, and we will obviously keep following this and take a quick break. And when we come back, talk about everybody's favorite Big Brother system in Wilmington, red light cameras. But the kids. Yes, do it for the kids. All right.
Welcome back to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Schockman. And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratz. And Pratz, you had a story this week about one of the most interesting topics that we've covered over the years, which is the use of red light cameras. Yes, and before we go too far into this, people have asked us in the past, what does this have to do with politics and the port city and things like that? Um, A, first of all, it's our podcast and we like to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, But this is tangentially related to politics because we have uh, seen state statutes governing red light cameras. We've seen local ordinances and policies put into place. We've seen debates take place at city council meetings about these. Um, So it is politically related. And it it involves a lot of money that goes into the government. Yes. So one of the one of the parts of the agreement um, that has actually been used as a cudgel against reporters in the past Mm -hmm. is that the this the red light program um, is expensive to run. Yes. And so it gets subsidized by the government. So that's part of it. That's your money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the proceeds from it then go from the city of Wilmington, which operates the program in partnership with the private contractor that does it. Yep. Um, that money then goes to the school district. And this is, I believe that's a legal requirement? It is, yeah. So um, civil citations, and I don't know the general statute exactly, but these sort of civil citations are supposed to go 90% of them are supposed to go to the local school board. And we've seen this with other things like um, it's interesting how controversial and we've talked about this and joked about it before. These controversial issues, you know, uh, one of which, you know, in my opinion, shouldn't be that controversial. It's legal across the country and that's alcohol. Um, but alcohol proceeds from the ABC. This is one of the reasons why the ABC boards and the ABC still exists in North Carolina, because proceeds from that profits from that go to the school. Same with the lottery system. So it's like these vices, these sin taxes that you end up paying are the the justification for allowing them is, what about the children? And yeah. it goes to the children. And that's why we still have these things that might get some criticisms um, and why ultimately you know, the ABC, I've gone to plenty of their meetings and I've, I've asked them directly, why do we still have an ABC? And their reasoning, every single time I've asked them, it's, it's actually pretty funny to me. Um, it's to protect you, the drinker who, well, that sounds bad. The person consuming the drinks, um, that is to protect you from moonshine and bootlegging, which granted in 1901 was probably a problem. And we, we saw that, especially, you know, moving into prohibition era, um, in the twenties, there really was an issue with people getting, you know, going blind from drinking, uh, you know, ethanol. So yes, there was a valid reason for it in the past. It was to ensure safety and standards, but I'm not sure what the ABC board is protecting us from right now. It's not like there's bathtub gin being pumped out there. Uh, it does happen in places like Russia. We see those on yeah. the news all the time where people... I will say there are some moonshiners in the region. Yes. But it is not e- It's not like they're flooding the market with it. You have no. to find them and get on a list. It is hard to find moonshine. Yeah. I will say uh, the former director of the uh, New Hanover County um, <laughs> ABC actually told us in a, in a bizarre series of conversational judo moves that... Their goal was to protect you from moonshine, Mm -hmm. Um, and we pointed out that that's no longer an issue. And then she said, well, part of the ABC's job is to be deliberately inconvenient, Mm -hmm. right? 
because if you could get access to hard liquor, which the ABC boards consider to be morally more dangerous than wine and beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is their stated opinion. I'm, I'm not putting words in their mouth. Um, and so they are making it deliberately less convenient for you to get that because if you could, you might be able to become a worse, you might do more damage to your liver, your body, you might become a worse alcoholic, uh, morally degrade yourself. And when we said, well, you know, certainly we have seen people destroy themselves with White Claw. Um, you do not need gin to just ruin your life. You know, we've seen, we, you know, if you watch Intervention, you watch people who just drink 45 Bud Lights a day because they are, they need that alcohol in their system consistently all day right. because they are an alcoholic. Um, so when we pushed them on that, they said, well, think of all the money that goes to local municipalities and counties, including to the schools. So, again, yeah, this is this ridiculous idea that when you corner government officials about things that are logically dubious mm-hmm. um, or based on morality that seems inequitably applied. Blue laws. Blue laws. Um, the, the last line of defense for the government is often, but the kids. Yes. So that so, brings us back to red light cameras. To red light cameras, yeah. And years ago, you and I uh, buttonholed the city's, uh, I believe, the transportation director, and, oh, that was a fun interview, too. And uh, former uh, PIO, uh, Melissa Talbert. Um, and two things that came out of that. One was the fact that this there are many questions about the red light camera, from the engineering to the constitutionality, because mm-hmm. you don't exactly get an opportunity to confront your accuser, mm-hmm. um, to the, to the uh, financial part of this, which is that if you do not pay your, and this has changed a little bit, but at the time, if you did not pay your citation, there was very little the city could do except to take you to court. And the financial cost of taking you to court was clearly going to overrun the revenue from citations. If you had to sue each individual person, that's hundreds of dollars of legal fees um, from their attorney side mm-hmm. to get forty dollars $50. $50 citations. Yep. And we asked the city, you know, like, what if people just sort of protested this and stopped paying and I believe she said something to the effect of, well, they won't if you don't tell them. Yeah, and we did tell them. And, uh, you know, we we did get – this was when we were at Port City Daily and we got some uh, uh, some heartburn from the city for reporting that, hey, you don't have to pay these tickets because they can't do anything besides garnish wages and garnishing $50 off your wages over a one-year period. Yeah. Well, actually, they can't garnish your wages. They can garnish your tax return. Tax return. Okay. So if you so get money back from the state of North Carolina – then they can garnish that, although the process is still a little hinky. Yeah, so bottom line is if you don't want to have to do that, make sure your taxes are all in order. Hire a CPA. Make sure you owe and owe exactly, pay exactly yeah. what you owe. And Underpay by $1. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they will never get to garnish your tax returns. But anyways, the city of Wilmington uh, is one of 19 municipalities in the state that the General Assembly has allowed to – implement red light camera systems and proponents of these camera systems. And let me go go back a little bit and say, I haven't talked to a single person ever, ever, ever. You and I are not supporting uh, or advocating for blowing through red lights. It is dangerous. It kills people. Don't do it. Yeah, I hate I, I get I get enraged when I see people do it. Yeah. So that's that's not what this is about. But only 19 cities in North Carolina can use red light cameras, which uh, right there is one of the constitutional constitutional issues that some have taken with this and what is part of that's kind of the crux of an ongoing class action lawsuit that's been moved to a three-judge panel in Raleigh. Um, Phil Berger, Senate uh, President Pro Tem for the state, as well as Speaker of the House for the state, Tim Moore, are named in this along with the city of Wilmington. 
saying that it is unconstitutional because the state constitution, Article 2, Section 1-A, I believe that is correct, actually, um, says that a the General Assembly may not, and this is paraphrasing, General Assembly may not create any sort of special act or law for municipalities in general for a certain different things. And one of those things is health and safety, abatement of public nuisances, things like that. So by only allowing 19 cities in the state, attorneys are arguing that's exactly what the General Assembly has done. Therefore, these red light cameras are unconstitutional. I also wanted to point out something interesting I found out yesterday. So 19 cities are allowed to have these. Only Wilmington and Raleigh currently implement these systems. Fayetteville and Greenville recently both wrapped up their red light camera systems. The uh, State Court of Appeals ruled against the city of Greenville um, last March, I believe, saying that their program was unconstitutional. And that was doing, due to that funding scheme, is what they call it, um, and how the money was supposed to be going to the school board, but it was really only getting like 70% of the funds paid uh, to the school board when it has to be 90%. We have similar discussions here. I won't say that they're the same in New Hanover County. It's a little bit more nuanced, but essentially 90% of that $50 ticket is supposed to go to the school board. However, it costs more than that to run these systems. So yes, they pay out the school board 90% of your ticket, but then it comes through that subsidy like you were talking about. The county and the city both pay some funding. So in reality, 90% of the ticket might go to the school board, but you, the taxpayer, are ending up paying more to subsidize the camera systems themselves and the company, which uh, I don't know the actual name of the company anymore. I believe they've gone through some name changes. It used to be ATS, American Traffic Solutions um, or Systems. And it's still the same company, but they have changed names and things like that. Yeah, just a a quick note that there's been, uh, we'll have some links on the page to some of the manifest other issues here, including problems with the actual timing of the Mm -hmm. yellow light, which is not related to the company, but obviously the length of the yellow light has to do with when the camera is triggered. Uh, The failure of ATS and other companies to legally engineer this. Um, which is made complicated by the state's toothless regulatory bodies, um, not just for engineering, but for pretty much everything. Uh, and the uh, <laughs> described to some as the kang- kangaroo court system, if you want to actually appeal this, you actually mm-hmm. end up in front of, I believe it's an employee of the city and someone from UNCW. It's a, it's a very strange yeah, it's, and, it's weird. and dubiously constitutional system. So there are tons of issues with it here, but the funding scheme has been the one that has shut down a couple that we've looked at. Mm-hmm. Weird side note, one of the um, you know, uh, people who has been at the vanguard of fighting this is Paul Stamm. Mm-hmm. Um, no friend to the left because he was the architect of HB2. Yes. But after uh, leaving the General Assembly in Raleigh, uh, Stamm took up this cause. Um, and so I've, well, I've covered a number of stories with uh, people who, with very left sentiments, who Rubbing elbows with Paul Stam because they hate red light cameras so and much. And they say, damn, he's right, and I have to agree with him. I hate to agree with him, but that's where we are. And you know what? I think that also just goes to show that um, while you might have differences of opinions, there are more things, and I don't want to sound too cheesy, but you know, when you put those differences aside, um, you can find some common ground with other people in different political parties, and I think that's a great example of this because, as you mentioned, he was definitely no friend to the left when he was – um, you know, a, a legislator, but he is taking on this lawsuit 
uh, or he's taking on one. There's a there's a separate lawsuit against the city of Wilmington that has to do more with the engineering and red lights. And it says uh, at one one hilarious point in this lawsuit, it says uh, something along the the lines of like the yellow lights are completely out of sync with the reality of physics. Yeah. Um, paraphrasing here, but it's just, it's funny. And you also don't take into account the fact that sometimes you have to choose the lesser of two evils. Maybe you're speeding, maybe you are breaking the law, maybe you're going the speed limit. You're going 40 down Carolina Beach Road, you hit Southern Boulevard, and there's that red light camera in front of the armory there, the National Guard armory. Um, there's a lot of trucks on that road, and they need a lot of time to stop, and they haul butt yeah. down Carolina Beach oh, yeah. Road. So you have to make the split-second decision because that yellow light goes from yellow to red real fast. Um, you have to decide, you know, you look, it's Southern Boulevard. There's not a ton of people coming out of Sunset Park, honestly. Um, do you run that red light or do you potentially run a red light by going through the yellow or do you slam on your brakes and risk being smashed from behind by an 18-wheeler with a bunch of logs coming from the port? Um, that is the decision that is not taken into account for with these red light camera systems. And yes, T-bone accidents are absolutely, um, T-bones and head-on collisions are very, very dangerous. Again, not advocating for running red lights, but there are nuances to these things that even if you are going the right speed limit, the rules of physics still apply. Um, you look at, you know, all of Newton's laws of physics, and you got to take that into account when you're when you're doing this. And it just seems like there's no room for interpretation. And it's like, hey, you didn't see the 18-wheeler behind me that was plowing down the road that would have killed me potentially. I had to go through it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and that's where some of the problems lie. Yeah, I, I won't go all the way down this wormhole, but um, we did a lot of research on this back in the Port City Daily Days. Mm -hmm. And the the elevator version is that the, the formula that gives you how long the yellow light should be Came from a came from private industry, mm -hmm. um, and it was based on tests done on a straight, dry road with a '50s era um, passenger vehicle. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make accommodations for when the road is wet. It doesn't make accommodations for um, now. This has been changed a little bit. There are some accommodations for grade of the road, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't make accommodations for the size of the vehicle. Yep, because um, which have gotten larger. Yeah, which have gotten larger uh, and take more time to stop. Um, and it doesn't discriminate between, say, a bus and, mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a subcompact. Yeah. So there are th the application of that uh, and the actual people who actually came up with the original formula have spoken at many engineering conferences uh, to say, hey, this needs to be updated. Yeah. And there just seems to be across the country some regulatory refusal to to update this because if it's not broke don't fix it yeah is is the logic there's a funny story which we'll link to of a, a gentleman um up in seattle i believe mm -hmm. who did a couple of experiments on his own to prove that this theory was inadequate um and he was fined by the state for performing engineering without a license yeah so, so there's really some <laughs> odd defensiveness abound even the mechanics of the, um, from the departments of transportation point of view, from the mechanics of this. So every part of this is weird and weedy, um, but w the more you look at it, the more you can see why. It's not just people who got tickets who have sour grapes. There are, right. there are logical, financial, governmental, constitutional issues with this program. Yeah, and so that's where we are. There's two pending lawsuits. Again, I think the most interesting takeaway for me is that even though 19 municipalities have this authority, Wilmington and Raleigh are the sole two that still operate this, which tell me, you know, if 
only two out of 20 basically are running this system and everybody else has shuttered theirs, there's probably a reason for that, whether it be, you know, the appeals court with Greenville, uh, Fayetteville, I'm not sure why they shuttered theirs, to be honest with you. It happened right after Greenville, so I assume they might have been doing something similar with the funding scheme that they said, whoa, look, this is going to make us go to court and that's expensive and we don't want to do that. We got enough to worry about. So here we are. Uh, both of these lawsuits are pending. One is in New, uh, New Hanover County Superior Court. The other one is in Wake County Court. That's because uh, members of the Senate and the House are named in this, and that automatically goes to Wake County. They're the only ones that can hear something like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to follow these. Don't know. I, I believe one trial is possibly set for March, and that might be going before. That's I think that's the one in Wake going before a three-judge panel. Um, hopefully we can get some sort of answers as to whether or not these are legal. And then my other question that I haven't gotten a straight answer on is, if you're going to let 19 cities do it, why not let the other 500 in North Carolina? It, it makes no sense to me. Why do you need special permission for this if it's completely fine? Um, that I'd like to know, and I've reached out to the lawmakers, and I haven't gotten a straight answer. Yeah, the last thing I'll say is that I have received um, a number of handwritten letters. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the old school touch. Uh, and emails and calls about this issue over the years. And people will point to documented cases of actual corruption where there were kickback schemes engineered mm -hmm. by red light companies and various um, government bodies. You know, these are cases where people were charged and arrested and right. convicted. Right. So this is not these are not allegations. Um, and that often hangs over conversations with red light cameras. And people assume that when we say we're investigating it, that we are suggesting that you know, the city of Wilmington or New Hanover County have engaged in some kind of illegal kickback scheme. I have never in seven years seen evidence of that. Um, I haven't, it, the the financial system you could s describe as a kickback scheme. Yeah, I mean, it, in the most basic sense, yeah. that is a kickback because you have to fund the rest of the cameras, but it's not an illegal kickback yeah. in my well, mind. I'm talking about, I have never seen evidence that an executive of ATS or any other red light company mm -hmm. secretly gave money to a city right. council member or a county commissioner um, to secure their vote to allow this to continue. Um, they, they <laughs> no, they do it publicly. <laughs> they do it. They do it publicly. And... Um, you know, all of the uh, all the city council members who have supported this have have done so openly and for dubious reasons, all on their own. Yeah, yeah. Most of them say it is. You know that again, it's hard to prove a negative. We talked about that with True Colors Brewing. Uh, won't get into that one right now, but um, hard to prove a negative. Oh, we, you know, I guess you can quantify that with there's no there's less T-bone accidents here. But I'd like to see the data of how many rear ends you're getting um, by putting up these lights. So. We'll follow these as well, see where it ends. Hopefully, one way or the other, we'll have some clarity. And I think a lot of these things for you and I and for a lot of the people in the community isn't so much, you know, get rid of them or get rid of the ABC. It's just clarification. And we want people to, you know, lawmakers to be clear about what they mean and what they say and why they do things a certain way. That's not that much to ask. <sighs> you would think. All right. <laughs> that seems like a good place to leave it. We will see you next week. All right. We'll see you then.